Welcome to the Your Lender Buddy podcast. This podcast is designed to empower real estate professionals with industry knowledge that they need to succeed. Without further ado, I'll pass it on to Jordan Keck for today's episode. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jordan, your lender buddy. Today, we are going to be talking about how real estate and lending are going to be changing in the coming year and beyond. And if you have nothing else that you take away from this, you're going to end with an idea of what you can actually do about it all. We're going to be talking through where rates are going to be going next. Are we going to stay in a high rate environment? Are we going to go back down into the threes? How real estate and lending industries are changing And then again, finishing up with what you can actually do about all of it. So starting off with, you're jumping right in, we've got a lot to cover, is where will rates go next? Are they going to go higher? Are they going to go lower? And to answer that, it really all comes down to one major component, and that is inflation. Because inflation is the driver behind where interest rates are at, what's going to be changing the economy. And inflation, long term, you can never have mortgage rates that are going to be below the level of inflation. And the reason for that is when you're giving a loan as a company, let's say that I'm giving somebody a loan at a 5% interest rate. Well, if the rate of inflation is 6%, even though I'm earning money at 5%, ultimately I'm going backwards. And so it's not profitable for any company to sustainably lend at a rate below inflation. The only reason that that happens is if it's believed to be temporary. So that's where we were at until it was realizing that inflation was going up higher. It was going to be around for longer. If you listen to the Federal Reserve, they started, they were using the word transitory for inflation, which meant it was okay if inflation was higher to do rates below because they didn't think it was going to be here long term. The moment that that sentiment started to change, we saw that inflation was in fact increasing and likely going to last for longer. That's what caused interest rates to go up. And so now, Any economic news that indicates higher inflation or longer inflation is going to lead to higher interest rates, while economic news showing a weakening economy or lowering the cost and demand will lead to lower rates. So the way that I anticipate interest rates will be lower within the next year or two, and you're hearing a lot of lenders start to talk about this, that we expect it'll be lower. Some people are just wishful thinking, but the reasoning behind that all has to do with the way that inflation is calculated. If you look year over year with the consumer price index, for example, right now inflation is at around 8.5%. And then you know tomorrow, just after here, Thursday after this comes out, likely seeing what that's going to be for September. But for August, about 8.5%. Now, the way that that's calculated is a rolling 12-month average. So they take the total monthly inflation amount for every single month and then add it together, and that's going to be the month, the annual The problem with that is if you have a really high reading or really low reading last year in, say, September, but, uh, you know, let's say last September was a really low reading and this September is a very high one, well, we replace a low number with a high one and that significantly moves the overall year-over-year number. And because of that, this summer, we didn't really see much change. actually saw it increasing some because last year's numbers in summer were very low. It's not until you get into October, November, and December of last year that you started seeing some bigger monthly readings. So hopefully this year in 2022, we get some lower readings for October, November, December, and into 2022, excuse me, 2023, that we'll start seeing that year-over-year number on inflation start to move down lower because it's replacing higher numbers from the previous year. 
So that's why it looks that rates will likely be lower and a number of other factors as well, but that's the very simplistic version on why it's expected to go down. Next, will we stay in a high rate environment or will we go back down into the threes? One of the things I wanna cap out here is that historically we never saw rates below five, 5% until after the housing crash in roughly 2010 or so. Since that time, we've been under 5%, but that's because of the change in monetary policy from the Federal Reserve. They reduced their federal funds rate to zero for most of that time, as well as engaged in what's called a quantitative easing, which means they're going to be buying mortgage-backed securities and treasury bonds, which are going to help stabilize the market and lower interest rates. Because of that, that has helped us to keep in this low-rate environment. And if you remember in 2019, before COVID hit, uh, the Fed blasting billions of dollars into buying mortgage bonds, the rates were starting to go back up. And in fact, for most clients, we're in the fours, maybe even touching fives, because historically rates around five and six, maybe even 7% are pretty normal. That's kind of an average. So moving forward, what will determine if we go back down or stay into a lower rate environment is the reserve, the Federal Reserve's stance on whether they're going to continually be engaged, buying mortgage bonds, keeping the federal funds rate at zero, and trying to stimulate the economy. Most likely, the way that they've been doing it is this boom and bust cycle of trying to provide a lot of help for the economy and then coming in to try and prevent it from going too out of out of control with inflation. So my guess, my money is on that. They are going to continue this cycle. If it looks like we get into a heavy recession, they'll probably start buying bonds again, and that's going to help interest rates. Whether or not we get back down into the threes, tough to tell, but I do think we get below our current levels of in the sevens. And again, likely somewhere between four and six is a very sustainable range historically. Next, how the real estate and finance industries are going to be changing. What you're going to see, and you're already seeing this now, is with interest rates moving higher, lenders are moving away from refinances, just because nobody wants to refinance from a 2.5% to a 7% rate, moving into home equity lines of credit or home equity loans. These are loans that allow you to tap into the equity on your home without having to refinance the balance on your current loan. To give me an idea, this is really hurting, not just moving away from, not just moving into home equity lines of credit, but moving away from refinances. Because in 2021, to give you an idea, there was a total of 4.4 trillion with a T in total loans originated. And out of that, 61.3% or 2.7 trillion was all in refinances. Every mortgage company around tried to hire as quickly as possible after 2020 when the rates dropped to staff up for this refinance boom. And so what's happening now as interest rates are going up, you've got refinances down 86% year over year and purchases down about 35% from a loan standpoint. So because of that, you're seeing a lot of job cuts and companies starting to go out of business on the loan side. And even though you'll see some in real estate, we saw Compass this year cut 721 jobs, Redfin cut 591, Zillow cut 195. You're going to disproportionately see loan companies impacted during this time compared to real estate companies, just because, again, 61% of business from last year was refinanced, and that's basically gone. This year alone, you've got over 15,000 reported job cuts so far as of October, and that's likely going to continue even further. 
So the next thing to consider is just a lot of individual loan officers are going to be leaving their jobs or leaving the industry entirely. To give you a perspective, in 2020 alone, from January to December, we gained nearly 189,000 loan officers nationwide. And again, for some perspective, roughly 200,000 is how many loan officers there were throughout the entire country in the beginning of 2011. And that's how many we gained in 2020 alone. After the Great Recession, after the housing crash in 2008, you saw about a 75% rate of attrition for loan officers, meaning 75% of the loan officers that were there at the height of the market were not there just a couple years later. So this is the big one. You're going to see lenders, especially, and loan officers not weathering the storm. So as you do see business decline significantly, you're going to see those part-timers, people who don't have a sustainable business, or even see people who are close to retirement hanging up the keys, deciding, you know, now is as good a time as any to call it quits. Real estate is going to see a very similar thing. Again, not hit as hard as the lending side, but because there's a lot of reduced demand right now, you're going to see fewer realtors competing because there's just fewer deals to compete for. And then moving on from there, the good news, what you can take away from this, it's not all doom and gloom, is understand that this is not a crash. We're simply correcting the anomaly that the market has seen over the last two to three years because of massive government intervention. National inventory right now is still only 1.31 million homes available, which is a 3.2-month supply looking at August, but that includes listings under contract. Right now, 39% of all listings are under contract compared to 25% in the normal market. So if you take that into account, the true available inventory not under contract is only 1.9 months. The difference right now and why you're seeing any price reductions mostly is because we are not in an environment culturally where we're waiting longer. People are used to selling their homes in a week or a shuffle days. But if you remember back to when we had four months, five months, six months of inventory, which is a balanced market, the normal at the time was that the home could be on the market for 45 to 90 days before you had one offer that was accepted and homes were selling for below asking price. Right now, because that's not the normal, you're seeing a lot of price reductions to try and spur activity faster until it becomes more of a normal to wait longer. So those price reductions don't necessarily mean that price, the values are going down, but you've got less time to wait and see if you get a buyer after a while. It's just, it's changed the perspective because it's changed so quickly. And lastly here, what you can do about all of this. As, you, as we've heard, there's going to be a lot of people in the industry in the next year that are not doing this anymore. You, you have fewer homes to sell. The homes that are on the market are taking longer. Fewer people that can qualify. So you're going to be working, I'll be the first one to say it if you haven't already heard it, you're going to be working two to three times as hard for the same results that you got before. And so having a mentality right now that you need to normalize talking about the market, become an expert on the market, understanding that for your client, it's not a good time or a bad time, it's just a choice. And removing the fear and the emotion from this process. See, part of it's understanding the opportunities and knowing how to explain them to your clients. Because if people don't understand it, there's fear. People only fear the things that they don't understand. And if there's fear, it's nearly impossible to make a good decision based on the information and facts available. 
So the thing that I use, feel free to steal this, adapt it to yourself, is when you're talking with clients, I say there are just three things that you need to evaluate to decide if you buy. The first one is do you qualify? The second one is can you afford it? And the third is can you find the house that fits you? If any of those three are missing, don't buy. If you have all three, there's no reason not to. So when you break it down to that, it simply becomes a choice. If they can qualify, great. If not, work on a plan to get there. If they can't qual- if they can't afford it, make sure first off that they're talking to a good lender who can tell them and evaluate their budget and what you know, give them expectations on their payments so where they can afford. If somebody tells me that they can afford a $2,000 a month payment and I qualify them for $4,000, it doesn't matter. If they can't afford more than $2,000, I'm not going to push them in that direction. We can have a conversation about things that they can do, maybe paying off debts to help improve that. But again, if they don't feel comfortable affording more than that, it doesn't matter what they qualify for. And the last piece is, like we said, finding the right home. If they can't find the right home, maybe it takes three months, six months to find it, well, that's going to determine your waiting period just as much. But it doesn't help anybody to sit on the sidelines waiting for things to get better, knowing that you can afford it and can qualify for it, not to be looking at homes. And last one that I use is for knowing when you get pre-approved. My secret formula, I call it, on this is just a question. Say, if you knew that this weekend you were to find the perfect home, in the perfect place, at the perfect price, would you want to be able to put in an offer on that home? And if the answer is yes, you'd want to be able to, then you need to start that process of pre-approval now. Because if you wait, you might miss that opportunity. Now, if you can comfortably say you would find that home and that perfect price in the perfect place and not need or not want to put in an offer, then don't worry about it. So again, these are the types of things that change it from a fear and emotional-based decision to simply one based on very realistic, very easy factors. So make sure that you're communicating these things to your database, to your clients, staying top of mind and providing consistent value. As always, hopefully this is helpful for you in continuing to stay on top of your business, be that market expert. So be sure to subscribe for more great content, pass this along to your team, and let's continue to elevate real estate together. This podcast has been brought to you by Jordan Keck, NMLS number 1017341, Branch Manager at Advantage Mortgage Incorporated, 5955 Shoreview Lane, North Suite 200, Kaiser, Oregon 97303, Company NMLS 1770599, Equal Housing Lender. Jordan Keck is licensed in Oregon, Arizona, California, Colorado, Idaho, Montana, Texas, and Washington. Until next time, thanks again for listening.